This episode of the Better Off Dad podcast is brought to you by Blimp City Bike and Hike. Blimp City is a full-service, family-owned bicycle shop in Akron, Ohio, located right on the Towpath Trail near the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Founded in 2009, Blimp City offers a wide range of quality bicycles from reputable brands like Kona, Felt, and Bianchi, as well as specialty bicycles like Elliptigo stand-up bikes, electric bikes and scooters, folding bikes, and recumbent bicycles. The shop also carries cycling accessories and rental bikes. Blimp City prides itself on providing exceptional customer service. The shop's comprehensive repair services include fine-tuning your bike to meet your comfort and recreation needs. Visit BlimpCityBikeAndHike.com. That's BlimpCityBikeAndHike.com to learn more and mention this ad in store to receive 20% off any accessory purchase. Not bad. Make Blimp City your headquarters for outdoor adventure. You're now listening to the Better Off Dad podcast with Tim DeWald and Matt Bixenstein. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 16 of the Better Off Dad podcast coming to you live, well, not really, from the basement of my home here in beautiful Lakewood, Ohio, experiencing a nice spring here so far. I am Tim. I am Matt. And boy, do we have... A great show for you guys this week. Everything else you've heard before this one, complete garbage. But this, <laughs> this is what you have been waiting for. We're talking about money, moolah, greenbacks, rubles. I'm not familiar. No, yeah, this. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's even. It doesn't even count anymore. It's the money episode, uh, from getting by on a single salary to paying for childcare, college, and all the food these kids eat nobody told me about how hungry these children were like bottomless pits i know we're talking about it today uh plus matt we're breaking the mold this week uh we're going to speak to an actual professional someone who gets paid to understand a topic that we're talking about aka not us yeah not us at all brad baldridge who is a certified uh, financial planner and a college planning expert he shares some advice uh, including how the whole calculus around whether college paying for college is actually worth it at this point and how that may have changed. So don't miss that. As always, you can find us on social media shouting into the void, waiting for Elon Musk uh, to <laughs> offer to buy us out for no reason at Better Off Dad Pod. And you can send your hate mail to betteroffdadpod at gmail.com. Uh, Matt, how the hell are you? Greetings and salutations, Tim. Um, embarrassing enough, I just made Tim... Uh, up the screen size of our <laughs> script because I'm getting old. It's 200% on the on the Google Doc right now, 200%. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I, <laughs> I probably need some bifocals or something. But uh, if nothing else, I can certainly agree with the complete garbage part of your rambling, Tim. Um, but just kidding. We do indeed have a most excellent episode to deliver to our sizable listening audience. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on Tax Day Eve. And Is I think really we, already that time of year? It's that time. You, you better file that. File I'm, those already done, I'm already done. I'm nice, already done. Nice. I already got it. I already got it. Um, I think we just jinxed ourselves in our last episode because it's pretty much rained every day since our last segment. Yeah. Uh, and the nice uh, about the nice, what, nice weather making it easier to be a parent. And worse yet, it now sounds like Don't Say Gay might be making its way to our home state. Yuck. Uh, yeah, I saw all those headlines and the uh, uh, the congressperson in Ohio that like ran away from the reporters because she didn't want to talk about the legislation that she introduced. Yeah. Um, I'll take the rain. Didn't know it was possible to jinx yourself about discriminatory, pointlessly partisan legislation. But I will say this. 
No one better pass a law that gives all parents of children under the age of six one million dollars a year. I'll be very upset about it. Is that, is that, is that you think that's going to work? I think that came through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that right there is a fine segue into our cash money episode, Tim. Uh, to answer your question, though, Tim, I'm doing just fine as I sit here drinking a uh, Rally Drum Ale from Great Lakes yeah. uh, Brewing Company. Uh, we're on the eve of the Cleveland Guardians home opener that I'm attending tomorrow. Oh, really? Uh, they're off to wear, a hot... What kind of coat are you going to wear up there when it's uh, it's going it's to be chilly tomorrow, right? It, it's supposed to get up into the early to low 60s. Okay, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, by, by nightfall, it'll, I'm sure it'll cool off. But yeah. It's the it's the first. Uh, it's a Friday. It's the first. It's the first game of home game for the Cleveland Guardians. Is it sold out? It's sold out. That's it's the awesome. first night opener, home opener since 1995. I heard some people complaining about it. It feels like it's going to be exciting it's for a night opener. Did you hear who's throwing out the first pitch? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Are you going to bring your volleyball that is like you have a head drawn on? I hadn't thought of that, but now I'm going to. <laughs> 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 Anyways, the Rally Drum Mail um, by Great Lakes definitely makes me think of uh, Cleveland <clears throat> baseball here in Cleveland. Um, what are you drinking over there, Tim? Uh, I have an Ithaca Beer Co. Uh, Hop Lab. Uh, it's a limited release. It's Idaho 7 hops. There's a particular kind of hop. Ithaca Beer Co. Ithaca is gorgeous. Oh, my I've goodness. Right? First pun of the episode, we're not only you know, barely <laughs> three minutes in. Puns are not as good as yours. <laughs> what am I going to say? It's, it's a work in progress for both of us. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're doing, doing just fine. I recently had a powerful moment of realization of how good I have it. Uh, my wife and sister-in-law are badasses who recently completed another half marathon. Yeah, nice Congrats, job, Elise and Sadie. Yeah. Um, I took the kids to go watch them in the race, and it was cold, and the kids were complaining, and we had to park away from the finish line. It got sunny for a little while, and Lucy actually started saying, sunny, 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 because she doesn't like when the sun is out either, so you just can't win. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, um, just as I was starting to have this unnecessary woe-was-me attitude, I met a fellow stay-at-home dad who happened to be a father of one-year-old triplets oh, God. and a four-year-old. Oh, so God. I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. He has one-year-old triplets and man a four-year-old. Just, man just does not sleep. Yeah, I don't know how he does it, but he was lugging all four of them in a wagon to go watch his wife compete in this same race. And upon <laughs> w- witnessing this dad, my inspiration returned and my complaining vanished. It ended up being a really uh, really fun time to cheer on Elise and Sadie. We had a sign and Charlie, um, he, he almost ran into them, but then he realized that he actually had to run with them across the finish line. He did a good job of recovering after not knocking them over. That's smart. And now Joe, the state-owned father of four extraordinaire from North Olmstead, has graciously agreed to be an upcoming guest on our pod. Um, Joe, I have your number, so you can't back out of that. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for that. So, you know, all in all, um, just another kid-induced adventure. And I think um, you have another set adventure to discuss. Am I right, Tim? Yeah, I, I do. So you said this, uh, Joe, was um, he had his kids in a wagon that he was pulling behind him. What was he carrying the bags under his eyes in? Was that like a, <laughs> like a, a stroller or something? Or? I Honestly, it was. Um, I, I feel like he was a robot. His ability to, <laughs> yeah. to actually function in that scenario. But yeah. what, was, what was funny is so we were walking together to get to the finish line. Right. And everybody kept kind of stopping to see oh my goodness, how many kids are in that wagon? Yeah. You know, it's like a clown car sort <laughs> yeah, of situation. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, shout out to you, Joe. I, I hope you, you find us and listen and um, are still willing to come on our pod. That's 302. That's uh, that's impressive, yeah, my friend. No uh, doubt. I do have another story. Matt and I just had a lovely family adventure last week uh, to the Great Lakes Science Center. Um, that's right. Kids had a great time, although Mara most enjoyed uh, stealing items from the exhibits and running around <laughs> 
uh, crying with them. There's True a statement. There's a ball that kind of floats on this little fan that she loves that she just takes away and, and runs across the entire uh, third floor of the building with. If you're local and you haven't been to the Great Lakes Science Center, they have a lot of great interactive spaces for, for kids. And yeah. uh, if they're of a certain age to really appreciate it and it teaches them a little science along the way, they can they can build cars and race them. It's it's really cool stuff. Charlie like was changing char- tires. At some he loved it. Yeah, yeah. On the verge of auto mechanic career. After yeah. Being <laughs> Mara's favorite exhibit was definitely the escalator ride. And I'm glad <laughs> we dropped $100 for the membership to do that. It's a nice escalator. Tim, it reminds me of that cult classic from movie from the nineties, Mallrats, where Jason Lee's character keeps saying that kid is back on the escalator. <laughs> uh, and I realize we're going to have our guest chat about the merits of college education. Yep. But it seems to me that Mara already has a very promising career ahead of her in petty theft. Yeah, she's she's quite the uh, pickpocket. She's well yeah. on her way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but jokes aside, Charlie and Lucy and I did have a really nice time at the Science Center with Tim and Mara. Uh, we've added this to this place to our membership list, which now basically basically includes every kid-oriented establishment in Greater Cleveland, if not the Western Hemisphere. That's an impressive list. Uh, totally worth it, though. I think memberships uh, are going to come up later on in this episode in our money yeah. discussion and, and the value there. Uh, and for good reason, related to the Science Center, just one quick plug. Um, as we were recording this episode, we just wrapped up an interview that we're going to air later on with Samantha Freiberger from the Greater Cleveland Aquarium. We're going to be broadcasting that interview, like I said, in the coming weeks. But uh, great interview. What an awesome place. Um, very unique kind of aquarium in, in terms of some of the other uh, places, institutions that you might have seen in terms of aquariums around. Um not going to be the biggest, not going to be the most impressive collection, but just a really cool space. They've done a really great job with it. It's in a historic building um, in, in the West Bank of the Flats in downtown Cleveland if you're coming down. And um, it's just a really cool place. Yeah, definitely share your excitement, Tim, over our chat with Samantha. Uh, Greater Cleveland Aquarium is, is a really neat place. Um, it's kind of like a quality over quantity sort of thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's the only independent freestanding aquarium in our state, and it's housed in this historic brick building that used to be a, a powerhouse. Uh, plus Charlie basically thinks sharks are gods of the sea Uh, Charlie's right and (laughs) yeah powerhouse I didn't realize she says this in in the interview that used to power is it the streetcars that would go down um, uh, coming out of Cleveland and going down to the inner that was my understanding yeah just a cool just totally cool thing really great interview heard a lot about some ways that you can participate in the aquarium that I didn't even know about some other programs that they run um, bird watching kind of stuff all different kinds of things so yeah um, you got to look forward to that on a, on a future pod yeah. and one one other note about the Great Lakes Science Center a really awesome place um, I have a memory of that place from childhood I wanted to share real quick uh, my brothers and I were invited on a fishing trip on Lake Erie which was really exciting okay except that um, all three of us uh, my brothers and I got seasick on said trip and um, my friend's father who had charted the the trip, Ended up just um, saying, well, these guys aren't fit for being on Lake Erie. So they dropped off us off at Great Lake Science Center. They just threw you over the top or something. Yeah. We're lucky they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the walleye would have gotten yeah. us. Yeah. But so anyways, they enjoyed the rest of their fishing trip. And we just hung out at Great Lake Science Center. And, you know, it, it might have seemed like a letdown. But at that point, when, when you've been sick on the water for a while, you are thrilled to be back on Lions. Yeah. So. Did you kiss the ground? Yes. And so I've, I've always had a soft spot for Great Lake Science Center. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's awesome. Uh, I So let's move into some updates about our kids. I wanted to provide uh, a quick update that warms my heart and gives me hope for the world. And it centers around our neighborhood park, Merle Bunce Park. It's fine. It's not exactly what you would call the shining example of outdoor recreation. Some others in our city are Lakewood Park, 
I'd, I'd put it up there against any of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Merle Bunce. And Madison Park. I think, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, you know, Sorry, it, I said it, a name. It, drop. Yeah, a little fomp, uh, a little fomp <laughs> action there. Madison Park is a great park yeah, as yeah. well, in fairness. Uh, I may have mentioned on a previous podcast, our swings in Merle Bunce Park have been removed because they were actually falling over, and they can't be reinstalled because, well, legally, I don't think they are permitted uh, that close to the train tracks any longer. Uh, guys, I promise we live in a nice place. It's a, it's a very nice city. Um, anyway, there's still a selection of playground equipment that Mara has taken to using the slide all by herself. Well done, Okay, Mara. all by herself, climbing and sliding. Um, but that isn't what makes me so happy. The park gets a fair amount of traffic uh, from a couple surrounding schools that we have and childcare facilities, uh, especially in the afternoon. There's like a karate uh, situ- like place yeah. around the corner from us that, that gets a lot of kids there sometimes, I think. There was flag football with little kids going on when I drove yeah. by today. It's, very, it's, a, it's a great park. Good, good space for that kind of stuff. Uh, one day, Mara and I are approaching in our wagon, and three boys are playing at the park, acting like, you know, you'd expect 8- to 10-year-old boys to be acting like weirdos. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like this is always a weird time for me as a parent. I don't know if you feel like this at all, but you're you're approaching a situation like this, like, okay, how much mental energy do I have to be interacting with these kids and my own kids as well, right? Right. Um, and an age group that we're not yet that familiar with. Right. And is notoriously horrible. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, like 18 to 10-year-old boys. It yeah, doesn't yeah. get much better, much worse than that. Right. Um, and let me tell you, these three boys come over and they are just absolute delights. Okay. How old is your daughter? What's her name? Does she know how to play this? Can she high five? Can I teach her how to double high five? They're helping her down the slide. And she is loving this attention, right? The kids were great. And so I tried to make a mental note of their names in case we we saw them again to, you know, make sure we had that like that interaction. And we came back to the park a few days later and we're coming up and I see that they're there and they look over and they see us as we're approaching. And it was like the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers had just landed at the airport. <laughs> they erupt with tre- cheers, greet Mara like her wagon is like the Pope Mobile. They're surrounding her like, it's them, they're back. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it just makes you so happy to see these kids engaging caring about another person they don't even know and being out in the world kind of you know, bravely experiencing all this as, as young boys yeah and being so kind so colton josh sebastian and your parents thank you guys so much tim your tail warms my cold cold grinch like heart <laughs> yeah. as well and i love the fact that you made note of their names you know, we live in such a flawed world, and yet you hear pick-me-up stories that restore your faith in humanity and remind you that the vast majority of people are inherently good. Yeah. Uh, it would have been so easy for these three boys to ignore Mara, or worse yet, decide to antagonize her oh, in yeah. some fashion. Yeah. Lord knows, Tim, that you and I um, know what it's like to be a preteen boy with a maturity level on par with a juvenile gorilla. Oh, God, I was terrible. <laughs> Likewise. But yeah. uh, whether these boys have experience with younger siblings of their own, or simply took it upon themselves to be ultra-kind to a toddler they encountered on the playground, it's a beautiful thing, and I hope you continue to cross paths with them. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, It just, you know, you think those kids are just going to be like, oh, babies, like what? And they're just just so good, and it just makes you feel... you have so many concerns about throwing your kid out in the wild. And the yeah. Fact that people like that are out there just makes you feel so good about that. It's a warm and fuzzy feeling for sure. Uh-huh, 100%. And it's not just the beer kicking in. <laughs> that is kicking in as well, though. <laughs> yeah. um, several kid updates to provide on my end, um, though nothing quite as inspiring as what Tim just offered us. 
Uh, we recently took our kids to Fripp, South Carolina with Sounds my Sounds like a made-up place. I don't believe that. <laughs> doesn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah. um, and to experience the ocean for the first time. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't enter the trip terrified, thinking about how Charlie and Lucy res- would respond to a 12-hour car trip. <whistles> but we split the trip over two days both ways. And Elise, my lovely wife, to her credit, spent most of the commute in the back seat. Uh, trying to keep the kids occupied while I got to blast tunes and focus on driving. Did and she edit this part of the podcast to make herself sound better, or is this... You know, I, we're still at the point where she no longer edits, and wow. she, I don't know if she even listens anymore. Um, at least you got you to gotta stop this. You I got to plug her every so often, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, first a uh, half marathon, now... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> get a lot on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to uh, drop her down a few notches at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um... Elise, a known Coke addict. <laughs> See if she listens now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get her attention here. Yeah. <laughs> Marilyn will hear it at least. That's true. Yeah. Um, the low light of... I'm going to see Marilyn this weekend, so... Oh, yeah. Um, I'll have to... Marilyn, hi. Nice yeah. to see you again. <laughs> She's doing just fine. Um, the low light of the trip came on the drive down when we stopped at a hotel in rural North Carolina in the wee hours of the night, and Elise, upon doing her usual bed inspection, promptly discovered our room had bed bugs. Uh, this resulted in a chaotic and probably comedic scene of getting our half-asleep kids out of the room, hastily reloading the car, and getting the hell out of there to find <laughs> another hotel. But beyond that, every aspect of the trip was really memorable for the, for the kids, jumping in the waves, collecting seashells, which we still have strewn about our uh, basement, uh, <laughs> learning about ocean tides, and Charlie somehow sticking two-thirds of his body into a hollowed-out alligator statue. Those are all very interesting updates. Did you get a refund from the hotel? What's going on with that? We did. Okay, um, good. Refund was secured. Um, it was awkward, you know, kind of having to be like, hey, just so you know. And, yeah. you know, I'll be honest, at least is way better than me at actually checking. You know, I know yeah, you're supposed to do that. I would have just gotten right into that thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but um, it was, yeah, I took a picture and everything. It, it was, Ooh. it seemed legit. And it prompted all sorts of questions from Charlie about um, what bed bugs are and <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the night, night, don't let the bed bugs bite song and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. And but, what a fun conversation to have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But hey, we survived, and I don't think we brought them home with us, yeah. so um, that's good. I have been itchy this entire podcast. Uh-oh. <laughs> Never going to be allowed down Tim's basement <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> um, another kid-related news, and speaking of alligator chomps, Lucy has taken a liking to trying to bite her brother's shoulder. Ouch. A practice that started out as funny and cute, but has now escalated into a full-fledged bad habit. She also recently discovered my little bar that occupies a nook next to her play space in our basement. Good for her. I've removed most of the glassware for the time being, but every so often she'll wander into the bar area and grab a koozie or a plastic bottle of bottom shelf rum that I probably need to hide. So I'm not exactly winning any fathering uh, awards for having my bar set up in such close proximity to the kids' play area. I just like that you have a big plastic bottle of bottom shelf rum back there. I like that you're partying that hard. It must have been gift to us. I have no (laughs) idea where it came from. Uh, Thankfully, she does not know how to open it. Yeah, smart. Uh, One other tidbit on Lucy. She um, she loves to say, "Uh uh-huh. To anything you say right now, which um, Charlie finds uh, fascinating. Uh-huh. So now he'll yeah <laughs> he'll say things like, "Hey Lucy, do you want to get eaten by a T Rex?" And she'll go, "Uh huh." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's amazing. It's good fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, as for Charlie, uh, speaking of which, he has n- a new dinosaur obsession, and that is the Mosasaurus. Didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. For anyone not familiar, this was a giant prehistoric sea reptile that was so ferocious that it could swallow sharks in one bite. Wow. Um, we'll have to post a picture one of yeah, these. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be on the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so don't be surprised if my entire family ends up dressed as enormous sea lizards for Halloween this year. And one quick story about Charlie. Uh, we were at a restaurant recently seated next to a group of army soldiers dressed in their uniforms when Charlie proceeded to ask me in a loud voice, Dad, Dad, 
why are those guys wearing matching jammies? Yeah, please tell me they heard that. I think they did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were good natured. Um, but it led to a good chuckle, and I'm pretty sure Private Bixenstein is now enlisted in our local infantry. Wow. Well, that is uh, – thank you for serving, Charlie. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, real quick update on some childcare news out of uh, the nation's capital. The New York Times Upshot reported earlier this April that there are two childcare proposals being prepared by Republicans and Democrats, respectively, and there is, quote, a surprising amount of overlap, end quote, between them. Uh, both sets of legislation would broaden the availability of financial support for childcare expenses, so families making more money would also be eligible. So right now, families making up to 85% of a state's median income qualify for assistance uh, across the U.S. Uh, Republicans want to bring that up to one and a half times a state median's income. Democrats up to two and a half times. That would be $237,000 a year nationally. That would put a tremendous amount of people under, under this program. Um, also, a lot of these things would cap the a payment of a family at around 7% of, of uh, annualized income. There's also apparently some support to assist uh, child care workers, opening up more child care facilities and a bunch of really good priorities around that. There's still a long way to go here. Notably, not a lot of specifics on how people are actually going to pay for these proposals. Um, but good information either way. It's it's good to hear about it, Matt. What did you think of the story and, and the homework that I assigned you to read this uh, this stuff? Oh shit! I hope I did my homework. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna slap the old cautiously optimistic label on this, Tim. On one hand, it's easy to point to the failure to pass the Build Back Better plan and the fact that most Congress people are wealthy and older and not particularly concerned with the astronomical costs facing young families today. Joe Manchin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But on the other hand, it's refreshing to see a bill that has rare bipartisan support, and many of these wealthy older congresspeople that I speak of do have millennial children and grandchildren who have likely made them actually aware of such problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tim, that chart you posted on our socials the other day uh, demonstrated just how far our country lags behind in government spending on child care, um, and it really serves as an eye-opening reminder uh, that we have such a long way to go with regards to helping low-income families get by, making pre-K universal for three- and four-year-olds, and ensuring health co workers get paid a living wage. Anyway, enough of my ranting. What are your thoughts, Tim? Oh, there's just more ranting here. I think it's <laughs> great news. I mean, it's a topic I would like to continue to harp on on this pod. So if you're sick of hearing us talk about it, too bad. I'm going to continue to force us to talk about it. Um, and I think largely it's because, and I don't know about you, but um, – a typical story. I am among the people that had no concept how poor the American childcare system until I was in it as a parent. Um, and you know, we get into this mindset the 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 general we there, this royal we of well, everything worked out well for me. People can figure it out, right? Like my mom stayed home with my brother and I when when we were growing up. Um, and you get into that thing. It's like, well, we figured it out. Everybody else can figure it out. And I don't think that that, that is really all that helpful anymore in our, in, yeah. in our society. Yeah, changed. Yeah, right. And we tolerate this. We don't tolerate the madness that is child care in any other kind of health care setting in the U.S. Medicare, for example. You know, let's say you're 65 and you're scheduling, I don't know, a colonoscopy. And you start calling around, getting recommendations from your friends on where to go. Where did your friend get their colonoscopy? Oh, so you want to go to the best colonoscopy place in town. <laughs> well, it turns out, oh, they've got a three-year wait list 
you can't get in there. Not a big deal. There's a colonoscopy place across town someone recommended to you. But to get there and you take a tour and man, it doesn't look that good. And you've heard a lot from your friends that they left with lice when they went to the colonoscopy place. So it's not that great, right? Oh, okay. Well, uh, maybe you should find someone offering colonoscopies out of their home, like a home colonoscopy place. Maybe your mom and dad are still around and they can just retire from their jobs and they can give you a colonoscopy themselves. <laughs> Maybe they can give it to you two or three days a week and you can find another parent to give it the other days of the week and cover it. Oh, maybe you should ask their partner if they're willing to retire from their career, stay home and give you a colonoscopy. <laughs> There's a guy over here who gives a colonoscopy, but he also wants to read you the Bible at the same time he's giving you one. You thought, ah, hey, you don't really believe in those things, but you did hear that he gives the best colonoscopies. No. Okay, stop. <laughs> And if you're thinking, okay, Tim, colonoscopies are medical procedures done by trained professionals. That's different. Oh, yeah? You want just any jerk watching your three-year-old? No, that's not how it works. We're parents. We're supposed to decide between Montessori method or Waldorf or Reggio or whatever. I had to Google those things. I don't even know what they are past Montessori, okay? Come on, people. And please understand, I am not demeaning any of the ways we've all found to care for our kids. I'm simply making the point that the Wild West that is childcare is a total aberration of our society and we don't have to stand for it. If the system doesn't work for shoving a camera in your rear, it shouldn't work for raising our kids either. Wow. Tim, uh, do you want to talk about colonoscopies more? That was well said. Yeah. So I, uh, (laughs) I, you know, I have Crohn's disease, so I've had a couple colonoscopies in my day, and I don't really wish to discuss them. Your analogy was incredible, and you know, to your point, Tim, as parents um, in this day and age without proper resources, a lot of us are just taking it up the tailpipe. <laughs> All right, we are back, and this is as good a time as any, Tim, to chat about the all things almighty dollar. Cha-ching. Uh, indeed. Yeah, is no this matter... the Bitcoin episode, or what are we doing? <laughs> no? That's still coming. I need oh. to learn more about what exactly um, yeah, you don't. NFTs no, are. You don't. It'll probably be gone by then. <laughs> um, no matter what income bracket your family resides in, your finances are bound to take a bit of a hit when you drop from two incomes to one in order to have someone assume the role of state-owned parent. It's no different for Lisa and I. Uh, though I feel like the true challenge of this realization is still coming. Mm. During the last two-plus two years of pandemic life, we spent so much less than normal with not traveling or going to the gym or eating out or consuming two craft beers apiece every time we did eat out. I like that you're just casually dropping that. Yeah, go to the gym all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Used to be a big gym buff. Yeah, yeah. 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 gym rat over here. Yeah. Um, but now that life might be returning to some relative degree of normal, we're already seeing our spending increase, so the true test of our budgeting is about to start. And it probably doesn't help that inflation is at a 40-year high. Thanks, Joe Biden. <laughs> um, now, all that said, uh, <laughs> I don't have to say about your comment. <laughs> shouldn't say anything about that. Uh, we're still going to pretend we're experts on this subject matter. Uh, without further ado, here are our 15 pieces of money advice for new stay-at-home dads. And we should definitely preface this with the obvious reminder that um, we don't know what we're talking about, most likely. Yeah. And you should probably consult a uh, real finance expert for actual advice. We've got one of those coming up on the show. Uh, And just one side note, you had this at a perfect 10 and I cobbled together a few at the end. So I apologize if you really struggled to get to that number. I feel like I added... You know, D.C. and Puerto Rican statehood to your ideal 50 star flag. So I'm sorry for that. Nonsense, Tim. Your contributions were very worthwhile. I appreciate that. We'll see when we get there. (laughs) All right. Uh, Advice number one when it comes to money for a stay-at-home dad with um, now as a one income family. Mm -hmm. uh, 
One is combined bank accounts. Uh, many of uh, your of you married folks probably already did this, but for some reason, Lisa and I always maintained separate accounts. Uh, probably that so she could freeze our assets and bolt to the Cayman Islands if I ever wronged her. That's what she told me. <laughs> but now we have everything in a shared view so that we always know where we stand. Yeah, this is something that Jill and I and my uh, Jill and I really need to finalize on our end. Although maybe she's also planning to escape, and I don't know. But <laughs> I actually agree wholeheartedly. I would say you don't have to rigorously rigorously review every expense. That's not really what this is about. But we and we talk about that a little bit later in the podcast here. But Know what level of cost necessitates a conversation, and having that unified view lets you stay on top of things when when need be. So it's it's super helpful to have that. So maybe you and I should combine bank accounts, Tim, and we can just have nothing sitting in there. Can I just the share minimum. PayPal with you or something? Like what's <laughs> yeah. going? What do we need to do? <laughs> um, advice two: Swallow your pride. Society conditions many males to think their self worth is tied to their ability to be a high income breadwinner. Yep. it's time to rewrite that script. As a stay-at-home dad, even if you secure a side hustle or two, you'll hardly be pulling your weight from a paycheck standpoint. And that's perfectly okay because you are now the proud CEO of a daytime gig so valuable that you can't even put a monetary figure on it. Do not let societal expectations lead you to believe you are a failure for spending your time with kin rather than bringing in Benjamins. You are anything but a failure when you occupy this noble role. We had a, a couple friend of ours. They just moved away, actually, which was very sad. But um, the um, uh, his wife was staying home with their with their child at the time, and she said she made her title COO of their household, which I thought was very <laughs> appropriate. And it's true; it's super important, and it's something that that we really should remind ourselves of uh, every day. For sure. Um, advice number three, evaluate your finances. Uh, when Elise and I first transitioned into a one-income household, we sought to find relatively easy, low-hanging fruit ways to cut back on our spending. And I encourage you, new stay-at-home dad, to do likewise. Did you close all your OnlyFans accounts or what was, <laughs> what was your first thing? Well, I'm going to tell you, Tim. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we refinanced our mortgage um, while oh, the interest yeah. rates were low. Um, we also explored cheaper insurance and a cheaper insurance company. I hope it was progressive. Um, I cannot say that it was. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but <laughs> never mind. We'll switch again. Yeah, yeah. Insurance is one of those things where I'm not particularly loyal to a. Uh, it's a commodity. Exactly. Yeah. Um, switch from cable to streaming television. Consider using public transportation more. Consider mm-hmm. becoming a one-car family. Befriend your local thrift store. Trade mm-hmm. in your gym membership for the local high school track. Gym membership number two. <laughs> for the record, I don't have a gym membership <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. Nor am I in shape. But um, <laughs> and start brewing your own coffee, especially since Rising Star still hasn't come through with a lucrative sponsorship deal. What the hell, guys? Uh, I just <laughs> add uh, a three and a half on this piece of advice. Please and, do. Uh, don't just do this after you've decided you want to parent full-time. I think probably all too often, some of us, when considering this, and I was in this boat, I'd love to spend more time with my kids. I'd love to be a part of them at this time. Oh, I'd love to consider something like staying home with my children at this point, but I can't because dot, 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 right? right. And I fully recognize that that is a financial reality for, for many. My wife and I are in a fortunate financial situation. You guys are in a, in a situation where you guys can make it work. Right. Um, we're, we're both privileged, of right. course, to be able to do this. A hundred percent. But I would say, do your due, due diligence on it, right? Like, take a look and and think about um, what your situation as things stand right now, what it looks like. You may realize that you have more options than you thought. And I think yeah. 
depending on on how bad you would want to to do something like this or look into it, there's a lot of things that maybe we're willing to do. And I think, you know, car leases and things like that are a really low-hanging fruit. Like you mentioned that it's like, well, maybe we don't need that extra car if I'm not going into the office every day. And if I'm not spending – I looked at – I get, like, emails from Carvana still because I was thinking about buying a car from them at one yeah, point. Yeah. They were sending me emails for things like leasing a Tesla for $1,000 a month and this kind of stuff. I'm like, <laughs> people are leasing cars for $1,000? <laughs> Just stay home with your kids and if you're leasing a car for $1,000 a month, what are we doing here, people? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, Tim, you speak the truth. There's always ways to uh, cut back. Um, advice number four, hold a monthly financial meeting. Uh, this is a great way to stay on top of your finances with your spouse. In our family, Elise is in charge of planning this monthly table meeting. I usually forget about it and complain when it happens, uh, but this is an important way for us to make sure that my reckless spending doesn't put us into crippling debt. Do you guys have a, like a drink during these usually? Usually. Yeah. At least I do. Yeah. Um, but just kidding about the last part about um, my <laughs> reckless spending, I think. Um, but it is safe to say that Elise is better than with money than I am, and I've learned to classify her spending habits as smart and thrifty, not cheap. Okay. Elise is definitely editing these scripts <laughs> now. I don't trust it. I don't trust you, Elise. I know what your game is on I'm this. basically a puppet, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing this podcast with Elise now. Just give her the credit. Okay. No, but I love the meetings. It's great. I think um, uh, communication is key on this stuff. I think yeah. when you're married and obviously when you're parents, it gets uh, X as many children amount more complicated when right. you're when you're talking about this kind of stuff. And I think keep it an open line of communication on these things, talking about what's big and also defining what kind of things you can spend money on and not worry about it are super important. Yeah. And there's all these crazy stats about how, you know, the root cause of divorce, you know, um, finances is, is your partner finding your OnlyFans. Yeah, <laughs> your gambling addiction. Yeah, <laughs> is money, folks. Yeah. We're joking. It's yeah. the money. Yeah. So yeah. you know, a little communication goes a long yes, way. Yes, one hundred percent. Advice number five: Don't stop planning for the future. Uh, whether we like it or not, the future is coming. Uh, losing dink status, dual income, no kids. Thank you. Uh -huh. uh, is not an excuse to stop contributing to your retirement. Stop planning your kids' college education. Stop planning for necessary home improvements, of which my house has many, or foregoing that all-important life insurance policy. Find other ways to cut spending before you chop any of these futuristic, important expenses. Yeah, so my financial nerd status on this <laughs> is I started a 529 plan that's a college savings plan for Mara, uh, but, but before I knew Mara existed, before Jill and I were even married. Uh, did the fact that I was saving for our non-existent child's college education freak my then probably girlfriend? I don't think that we were engaged at that point out. I mean, maybe maybe I didn't tell her. I'm not sure at that point. <laughs> uh, I think the, the point that why I brought this up was that uh, it was considerably easier for us, for me, to set aside the money then when we had less responsibility uh, than it is now, right? When we were feeding this human being that drinks a gallon of milk in a day and a half. <laughs> uh, the more habits you can install earlier, the easier it is to keep them later on, right? The, that they're kind of baseline at that point and you're not just um, trying to like fit things in later on. I think uh, just save, save, save. Those are those my kind of advice around that. Yeah, Tim, your preparation is, is there is certainly impressive and I'm sure Mara will, will thank you later. Um, She'll, when she doesn't have crippling... She'll drain it all in one semester at NYU for $100,000 a year or whatever it costs then. That comes up on our interview with Brad. Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, advice number six, let your money work for you. 
I realize this is the biggest cliche phrase a finance person will ever tell you, but it's definitely worthwhile to switch to a high interest savings account if you haven't already done so. Gone are the days of earning a dime in interest each month and a high yield account might even motivate your family to save more. Yeah, and just one more plug for the 529 here. Your money is gonna do a lot more for you outside of your checking account. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a lot. There are a ton of great products beyond just like you know 529 plans that save for higher education expenses. Look into it, consult a financial professional. There's a ton of ways. If you've got a couple bucks to set aside a month, just look into some options about how to do that and, and get yourself a little bit more um, bang for your buck, so to speak, around that. Tim, I'm still really intrigued by this whole notion that you were saving for your non-existent kids' education. I have a couple questions. Uh, so you, you open it under your own Social Security okay. number, and then you're able to transfer, at least this was the New York Saves, and I'm sure it's with any yeah, yeah. account. You're able to transfer that to anyone with your within your own family. You just pop in their social security number and their name okay and then it transfers all the way over to them so so I, it's earmarked for college education but say for whatever reason you hadn't had kids mm -hmm. you could have found somebody else to you can you can transfer it over to anybody in your family for a hundred percent no penalties okay. at all and the so the 529 plan the thing with that is that um it's any kind of it's just like your 401k right you get investment choices blah 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 like you're, you're like you'd be familiar with those kind of accounts um, but they grow, it's like a Roth IRA. They grow tax free. So the money you put in there, uh, never taxed when it comes out. So yeah. you can get a pretty good substantial return on that over time. Um, and, um, if you do for some, whatever reason need to like transfer it over to something else and you, you have to pay a penalty on it, the penalty is like 10%. Okay. Um, so, so you're not, it's not like you're losing everything. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, they're, they're great accounts. And I was actually looking into this recently. There are different accounts that are set up that you can pay for things like, um, uh, uh, health aids and things like that so you if your child would need um, special needs care or hearing aids or things like that there are different accounts that are set up that you can you can put um, money in for that and they also grow tax-free so there are there's lots of things out there more than i'm as we said we're not experts yeah. more than i'm aware of but um it's definitely things to look into and you know the most valuable thing you can have is time right if you can put five dollars into or ten dollars into that account a month for a longer time, it's going to help you than when you feel "quote unquote" comfortable to do it down the road, and then you just don't have the time to do it. You know, Tim, it all sounds really admirable, but I still have to make jokes. So it'll be, if I, when you said I have questions about this, I knew what you really meant was I'd like to mock you for it. Well, I can just imagine. You know, it'd been funny if if you would, uh, you know, um, had been a single person in New York City and I could see you as a pickup line like hey my name's my name's Tim you know I have uh, I already have 10 grand set aside for my kids college education account my uh, non-existent it, future kid want to go on a date here's my statement for my 529 account how would you like this to be our child right here that, <laughs> yeah. that was that was my go-to just slide it across the bar <laughs> that's better you, you clearly have, yeah, yeah, yeah. have more game than I just do just kidding I dated my wife when I was in Ohio and when I moved to New York so clearly that never could have happened never happened okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, done mocking Tim or attempting, <laughs> failing at mock Tim about his uh, preparedness. Yeah. Uh, advice number seven, with membership comes privileges. As yeah. Tim alluded to, membership to local kid institutions are where it's at. Uh, you pay 100 or so bucks, and then you end up taking the kid 20 times in a year when you only needed to go twice to make the membership worthwhile. My family currently belongs to the Cleveland Zoo, Greater Cleveland Aquarium, Cleveland Natural History Museum, 
Cleveland Children's Museum, and the Great Lakes Science Center. It's basically created a scenario where I can entertain and exhaust my kids with daily outings without ever spending an extra dime. Plus, paying annual memberships fees makes uh, budgeting much more simple. So to totally disrupt the time spectrum here, we just interviewed the Greater Cleveland Aquarium uh, per before we recorded this podcast. We will not air that interview until after this podcast airs. So I can tell you uh, we love these things, and we talk to the Greater Cleveland Aquarium about them sometime in the future. Uh, they're awesome. They're, a lot of these things, you take a visit to one of these places, and it's 13 15 20 bucks a pop to get in for the day. Yeah. And if you're going to go once, twice more, they pay themselves off, right? right. And then there's <clears throat> perks on top of that, and there are different things. And the thing that you don't mention through all this kind of stuff that I think is critical on this is it gives you something to do. It's a built-in, right. oh, we have a membership to the zoo. It's a nice day today. Let's just go there. Routine let's, with kids is so Right. Let's so walk crucial. around. And I say in the in the interview, like I said, with um with the the aquarium that we'll air in the next couple of weeks, you don't have to wake up in the morning with this fear over your soul. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do with this kid for the next fourteen hours while they're awake? Yeah. It it just kind of builds in, like you said, more of a routine. And I think it's it's really great and you do save some money in the long run too. Yeah. In in most of these institutions are really smart. They you know, you, you, you get in, you take a decent hit to the wallet, um, you have an awesome time, your kids absolutely love it, and then as you're leaving, they say, hey, you want to just upgrade for a membership? Right, yeah. You've, you're already, like, halfway there. You can there. discount the cost of the ticket today on your membership, exactly. all those different yeah, yeah. kinds of so things. So they, yeah. they know how to, to hook you in. But they're but 100% worth it's it. It's well worth it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, advice number eight, free is good. Whoever said the best things in life aren't free. My kids love nothing more than visiting the plethora of parks and playgrounds and libraries and nature centers in our region. They also love making their way to the shores of Lake Erie. Mm -hmm. Yes, all of those things are technically taxpayer-funded, but that doesn't mean us state-owned parents can't enjoy them disproportionately. This is America, after all. Yeah, it's the land of taking advantage of taxpayers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, th I think playgrounds are huge. We've talked about that a little bit with the weather warming up, like just going out and being able to experience, or just nature. Go yeah. out and just walk down a path. Mara loves nothing more than when I'm pulling that wagon along the sidewalk and I say squirrel or birds <laughs> or airplane up in the sky. Yeah. You can that's 100% an easy way to just kind of kill time with your with your kid and and, and you don't have to pay anything for that. Yeah, it can relate to every single one of those. Squirrels mm -hmm. are a big deal, you know. Yeah. Lucy points and giggles at them. Charlie at this point, he legitimately chases them on foot <laughs> yeah. like a dog would. Has he caught any yet? Not even close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he would do if he did catch one. Yeah. <laughs> Next podcast, I'm going to hear yeah. that. Don't. Yeah. We're going to live stream yeah. that. Yeah. What's new, kiddo? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, advice number nine, uh, don't skip vacations. So many memories are made on vacations. I'm even willing to significantly curb our craft beer spending. You take that down from $1,000 a day to $800 exactly. a day? Exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, before I'll resort to axing the vacation budget. Uh, we recently traveled with my in-laws who are delightful people, um, but doing so saved also saved us a great deal of money. So thank you, Andy, Andy Ningrid. And you can always trade in that high-priced Disney trip for an adventure at a local state park or other budget-friendly alternative. Uh, but don't just skip vacations. Uh, your memory bank and your kids will thank you later. Yeah, and my wife and I really love traveling. We're going to be going to, to Nashville with the kids, um, with, with Mara very soon. Uh, it's really worthwhile, and it doesn't mean you always need to be shelling out for airfare and character breakfasts at the Contemporary Resort Hotel in Disney World. Yeah. Uh, I'm calling you out. Uh, <laughs> no, they're, they're great ways to do it. And um, I, I think I, I have a, um, 
I have a great memory when I was 10 years old. My uh, family went on a, a trip out west. We went through the Rocky Mountain National Park, and we did the Redwood Forest, and we did all that kind of stuff. And those things just stay with you as yeah. a kid. So don't skimp Priceless. on those expenses. And if it's important to you as a person, you can you can pass it on to your kids too. It's going to be worth that price every day. Yeah. We're, we're millennials, so we uh, prioritize um, experiences, experiences over material mm-hmm. items, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. All right. Advice number 10, remember that it's temporary. It's entirely possible that being a stay-at-home parent has severely cramped your style. You've traded in your WRX sports car for a used uh, minivan. I you didn't spent know a, you were a Subaru guy. I, I do. I actually do drive a Subaru. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. You know, the Forester. Forester? Um, mine's an Impreza, actually. Oh, Impreza. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, You've uh, spent a fraction of your usual standard amount on happy hours, and you get haircuts from your wife rather than your favorite local salon. Thank you very much, Elise. And it looks good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, She she does a nice job. Uh Uh, Most of these societal standards shouldn't matter anyways, but if you are feeling bummed, just remember that to savor the moment. In the blink of an eye, your kids will be in middle school, and you'll be back to rocking that 9 to 5 paycheck and all. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you brought this up because at least for me, it can feel like life really slows down when you're in transition uh, into being a full-time parent. And in the workplace, I think you're always focused on the next step or finding new responsibilities to take on and, right. and parenting can really be a downshift. And it's really something to appreciate about this very unique moment in your life um, that you have the opportunity um, to, to be around your kids so much. And it's I think it's something important to remember that a lot of people would kill for that opportunity and yeah there's a lot of ways to look down at that phrase and be like i'd kill to be doing something other than watching my kid right now and doing everything else and you kind of look at it with that um sort of viewpoint as well but it's just a it's a really great moment and savor it for sure um i'll go on and i'll say did i skip one did you end with 10 and i went to 12 11 (laughs) are our numbers all screwed up now i'm not even sure i don't know who knows here's the next one (laughs) err on the side of austerity matt you talked about evaluating your finances earlier and i would just give the advice of it is always better to be in the position of adding things back into your life than wondering if you could live without them my wife my wife works from home And so we have a one-car household now, right? And it's made that situation very tolerable. And that might not work for everyone, but it's been a lot easier for us to try that more austere method than keeping our life going with two cars and wondering if we could get by on less, which was a diff- would be a difficult thing to evaluate. I yeah, think. yeah, Tim. I, you know, I, we do have two cars in our household, but definitely admirable that you guys have made it work with one, even if it's not forever. So far, so good. Um, uh, next one, sweat the small stuff, but not the big purchases. So put this alongside your vacation commentary. I am much more concerned about getting my daughter hooked on these uh, fruit pouches <laughs> that run 2 or $3 a pop than the $200 I just spent on a Strider Pike, which is true, womb bikes. Uh, I'm really excited about this. That's this awesome. coming up down the road. Uh, that's going to grow with her the next few years. years. And I think this is a big part of human psychology just with generally with things. I think that we see big price tags and we say, well, I can't afford that or that's too big of an expense or I don't want to like shell out that much money. Even if it would bring us a lot of joy and, um, you know, really great moments with our kids, but the tiny expensive habits that we, that we do, we tend to see those a lot less, right? So get them that bike, take the vacation, 
buy a nice outfit and take pictures of it so you can remember those moments. Those are the kind of things that you're going to treasure, not that stupid Gerber pouch. It costs like $4 a pouch now at Giant Eagle. It's insane. Yeah, that's only worth it if you're the actual Gerber baby. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, couldn't agree more, Tim. And I can't wait to see uh, Mara rocking a, a Strider bike. We've been going, we've been going a couple feet down the driveway every day. We're we're getting into it. Nice. Um, uh, next one, buyer beware. Okay, we talked a bit about this in a previous episode, but remember, if you are married and you're now having kids, I want you to think back to the wedding, not about how beautiful it was, but how money became this sort of abstract concept concept instead of you know <laughs> money uh, it is 1000 times worse when you have a kid because all of a sudden well you wouldn't spend whatever it takes to fill in the blank there right a good night's sleep a quality education to avoid sids like whatever people are coming for your money and they're getting there by way of your parental guilt so i'm just gonna say it and i've been trying to avoid swearing on this episode because <laughs> mr baldridge who's a great interview is going to share this with people i hope and it's going to bring a ton of people more into this podcast but fuck the snoo okay <laughs> sorry maybe you had a good experience with it fuck the snoo sixteen hundred dollars for a bassinet your kid is in for what six months the snoo is the parenting equivalent of the juicero machine and that's a joke for like five people who remember that story out there what the juicero machine actually was <laughs> do you actually know what that is tim i don't know what the snoo is or the juicero machine but this oh is funny either way oh my god the snoo is a bassinet <laughs> I, that, I got as much right, from yeah, 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 yeah. the juicero <laughs> was that machine that was squeezing these juice packs into oh. it was like a home juicer okay they sent, but yeah, they yeah. sent you packets that you squeeze to get the juice out of. But the the story on them was that you could squeeze it by hand and you get the same amount of juice out of it. So yeah. the thing was a whole fraud. My point on this is that, look, you need to have a bassinet that's very expensive that gets your kid to sleep. There's no price you can put on that. Yeah. But get the cheap, safe bassinet in the first place. You don't need to shell out these ridiculous sums of money. And people are going to be out there for all kinds of different gadgets to get you to oh, spend yeah. your money on it. Don't go for it right away. If you're having trouble, reach for whatever you need. But don't go for it right away. Yeah, Tim, I mean, you speak the truth that when it comes to kids, we tend to be to be uh, much more generous with opening the, the old pocketbook. Yeah. And you know, well, Another example that for, for me that comes to mind is we talk about these great Cleveland institutions we belong to. Guess what each one of them has at the end of their tour? Usually blocking you from the exit exit through the gift shop that's I right believe. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's great is you know my kids now understand the concept of browsing we're able to they're able to to walk around check out what's cool see yeah, it yeah. all and then leave without buying anything and being completely okay Mara's still at the stage where she just wants to put all of them in her mouth. So <laughs> when does she get past that? Well, like I said, the, the petty theft. That's yeah, another, yeah, another way yeah, to store yeah, it out the door. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know. it's um, They know how to market. You yeah. Know? And oh, yeah. Just keep that in mind. Keep you can't fault mind. them. No. You know, it's their job. Yeah, that's what they do. Uh, and finally, remember the total comp picture. I, I do this to myself sometimes, thinking that you know leaving the war- workforce is costing you that whole salary. But that's not really true. Remember, right, when you factor in childcare costs, uh, the intangibles of what it means to be a working pers- person, lunches, the car, parking, whatever. And when you're calculating what it costs to be a stay-at-home parent, I think along with the experiences you're having with your kid and the fact that you're home with them, it's important to keep that financial aspect in mind as well. For sure. Dude. Well, my bank account would probably say otherwise, but we're wealthier than we've ever been yeah. because of what we're doing right now. Yeah, there you go. 
Okay, so coming up next is our interview with Brad Baldridge. This episode of the Better Off Dad podcast is brought to you by Blimp City Bike and Hike. Blimp City is a full-service, family-owned bicycle shop in Akron, Ohio, located right on the beautiful towpath trail near the gorgeous Cuyahoga Valley National Park. What an asset for us Ohioans, am I right? Founded in 2009, Blimp City offers a wide range of quality bicycles from reputable brands like Kona, Felt, and Bianchi, as well as specialty bicycles from Elliptigo stand-up bikes, electric bikes, which I've been looking at getting myself one of to haul Mara around in her trailer, uh, and scooters, as well as folding bikes and recumbent bicycles. The shop also carries cycling accessories and rental bikes. I'm going to be spending probably thousands of dollars in bicycle helmets as my daughter's head gets bigger. Blimp City prides itself on providing exceptional customer service. The shop's comprehensive repair services include fine-tuning your bike to meet your comfort and recreation needs. Visit BlimpCityBikeAndHike.com. That's BlimpCityBikeAndHike.com. To learn more and mention this ad right here in store to receive 20% off any accessory purchase, do it. Tell them the Bod Pod sent you. Make Blimp City your headquarters for outdoor adventure. Okay, we're here with Brad Baldridge. He's a certified financial planner and college funding consultant. He's also the expert behind taming the high cost of college.com, where he hosts a podcast, a blog. He offers expert advice for parents preparing to send their kids off to school. He may be playing the accordion in the background and have like a drum set on his foot or something. It sounds like he's got his hands on everything. Uh, Brad, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, Brad, I, we'll just kind of open up the floor to you here in the beginning um, to kind of love to know more about you and, and more about, um, you know, what it is that you do um, that we kind of uh, talked about in the intro there. Yeah. So my my history is I'm a financial advisor. I've been in the financial industry for 95. So what is that? Approaching 30 years now. I don't even um, want to do the math. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 18 or 20 years ago, I started getting involved in college planning because it was becoming a bigger issue for the people I was working with where, you know, the price of college was steadily going up and it was becoming a bigger deal and more families wanted to, to have that, you know, include that for their children and so forth. Now they had to start setting up and saving and investing and various investment plans came along and the different choices and there's, and it got more and more complex around need-based aid and merit aid and scholarships. And as I started digging into it, I realized that for most families, there's a number of things they could do, but most people weren't doing them because it was kind of a specialty in and of itself where to really understand all the different moving parts was pretty complex. Mm -hmm. So as I learned more about it, I got more and more involved in it. I realized that, you know, I, I would, could build the expertise and then use that with, with families. And then I started attracting families that were, you know, very specifically looking for college help. And then while that was happening, my kids grew up. So I now have a freshman in college, a senior in high school, and a freshman in high school. So now I'm at the stage where I'm eating my own cooking, so to speak. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I literally am planning for my own family on top of a couple hundred that I've planned over the years, you know, other kids. So and I've you're been... not saying you're not saying anything. Man, I was wrong about all this stuff now that I have to do it myself. That's, that's okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh you know, you're relatively young. My kids are older, obviously. The people I'm working with typically are doing what I call late stage planning, mm -hmm. which is they've got a high school, sophomore, junior, sometimes even senior where their hair's on fire. 
and they're trying to figure it all out. You know, again, ideally don't wait till your senior year and even, you know, sophomore year is a good time to start at least getting your feet wet. Um, so that's one thing you learn about college planning is start earlier than you think you need to. It can be more complex and there's always more you could do. Most people run out of time and they don't get as much done as they'd like because they, um, of the challenges. You know, if you think you're busy when you have youngsters, you're also very busy when you have teenagers. And, and Brad, you're, t- you're touching on this idea of uh, late stage planning, I know, and then early stage planning that, that you do on both ends. Can you go in a little bit of that to, and and maybe kind of hit on that? Like, when is the time that people should start planning if there is such an answer to that question? Right. So late stage planning starts high school, freshman, high school, sophomore would be ideal. Um, the reality is many people are doing their late stage planning high school, late high school, junior, or even early high school, senior which is too late. So, you know, if you have a sophomore, get to work now, it's, mm-hmm. you're not gonna, you know, I, I've had done this with hundreds of families. I've never, ever had anyone say, you know, I started this too early, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I've had a whole lot of people tell me I started this too late. You know, we're, we're under stress, we're crunch time. We've only got a few weeks to do this and then a few weeks to do that. I wish we would have started earlier. Um, so that's kind of late stage planning and late stage planning is things like visiting schools and filling out applications for financial aid, applications for admission, uh, doing your school research, figuring out what schools you're interested in, majors, you know, what, do I want, what do I want to be when I grow up? Who's going to pay for all this? How do the loans work? All that kind of stuff. And that generally is mostly focused, again, when you have kids in high school. Mm-hmm. But then prior to that, we can do what would be early stage planning. And that's, you know, I've got a youngster, maybe a toddler, maybe a kid in middle school, whatever it is, but I know college is coming. Maybe we should set up a savings plan of some sort, or maybe, you know, we need to start thinking about how this is going to fit into our finances, or let's talk about our philosophy around college. You know, I'll have a lot of parents come where maybe mom had all of her college paid for by her parents. And then dad got almost nothing from parents. So he worked hard and worked four jobs and, you know, he thinks that builds character. So now they can't quite agree on how college is going to be paid for. Is it the parent's responsibility? Is it the student's responsibility? And then put another layer on top of that, which is the game has changed, right? When I was young, I literally could take a student loan, work hard during the summer and cover most of college. I mean, I think all in, it was seven or 8,000 for the year which is just mind boggling because now it's closer to 20, 25 and up, you know, so to kind of put some numbers out there, typical family today is it's, you know, at the low cost state schools, it's 20, 25, you know, the average private school might be 45 or 50. A lot of them will list at 60, 70, 80. The top end schools now are 85,000 a year. Wow. Now they don't always get that, a lot of times they give you discounts and scholarships and that kind of stuff. So it goes from 80 down to 50, but 50 is still a challenge for most families. And so is 25 for that matter and 20. But the reality is where if people say, well, I can only afford 6,000. Well, now you're essentially saying you're going to need loans or something, because if you can only afford six, that probably won't get you to any college, at least not a typical four-year college. It might be, that would cover a, you know, live at home and go to the community college or live at home and go to just pay tuition. And because it's getting more expensive, 
it's important that you be as efficient as you can, because yeah. if you can do this this way instead of that way, and it saves you 20% on the cost of college, 20% is a big number now. Or it used to be, you know, do you cut coupons when you spend $5 at the grocery store? Well, you could, but it only saves you a dollar or two. Whereas yeah. college planning now could save you five, 10, 20,000 or more. And sometimes it might redirect your path where you say, you know what? I didn't realize I could go to that private school for the same price as a state school. Yeah. Now that I've dug into it, I realized that, you know, there's a lot of options and a lot of different ways to do this. What kind of questions are you getting from people right now? What is sort of the, the, the current kind of state of financial planning for college in, in the way that people are approaching it and, and kind of the way that you're seeing it from, from your perspective? Right. I think most parents are overwhelmed. They're confused again, because it's this complicated game and nobody really gives them the rules. Yeah. Right? It's like going to buy a car, but if you can imagine you go to the BMW dealership and they say, well, we've got some scholarships for some kids and we're not going to tell you who gets a scholarship till after you test drive the car and put an offer in. And then surprise, we might give you half off. Yeah, but you're car not going to know that until and car buying is bad enough. So yeah, no, exactly. like, yeah, <laughs> right. So you go to the expensive college, and then you're not sure if you're going to get the deal or not. So some people say, "Well, I'm going to stay off the expensive car lots. I'm going to go to the lower cost car lots." But the same problem, right? Is will I qualify for a loan? Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you know, how do they work? Well, that never mind. We'll we'll talk about that afterward. After yeah. you pick the car. Yeah. And it's kind of backwards. Um, one of the biggest benefits that I help families with is understanding how and what a school might cost well before you're actually applying and getting the offer back, right? So the way it works, typically you get an offer from a college your senior year at near the end of your senior year. And then May of your senior year, you commit to a school, Mm -hmm. but your junior year is when you're deciding, well, you know, you're visiting, you're picking the schools you might want to apply to. You're comparing your test scores and your grades to the colleges you think you're interested in and all that kind of stuff. That's when you really need to understand, oh, at this school, because I have strong grades, I could get a $20,000 scholarship. Mm -hmm. At that school, I'm below average, so I probably won't get any scholarship at all. Right. Well, that's a good thing to know, you know, early on, because you might then focus on schools where scholarships are realistic. And that can be, and that can be tough too, because a lot of these kids, when they're, when they're preparing to go to school, there are, I mean, there are a multitude of different things like community service they're looking at. They're looking at your, they're looking at, you know, what organizations are involved in. Maybe athletics are coming in into play, right? It's like a, it's like this whole matrix these kids are trying to figure out to what they need to present to these schools. And I guess what you're saying too, is the earlier you can kind of have what that end state needs to be financially, the better you can be like, okay, well, I really should be focusing on this because the other ones aren't just, are not going to work in the end or not going to pencil, or they will, and we have to do X, Y, and Z to get that done. Right. Exactly. I was, I was going to ask do you have, we, we touched on this a little bit, the, the idea of uh, having that financial conversation, I, that's got to be tough for, you know, let's say you, you are a parent and you have planned and you say, we can contribute this much. And this is really where we would be in a sweet spot financially. What are these kind of conversations when you're talking to kids about money and t- 
taking on debt and, you know, having careers that they're going to pay back loans or whatever it is down the road. Like, what does that kind of sound like? When do you have those conversations? You're probably having them as a, as a parent, I imagine in some ways, in addition to just as a, as an advisor. So I'd love to kind of hear your perspective there. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So I think 25 and more years ago, college was the golden ticket where it was just kind of an automatic, you go to any college, you get any degree, you're instantly employable. You've got a lot of job security, et cetera, et cetera. And that shifted, you know, with the generation that graduated during the great recession. So now I think there's a challenge there where it's not automatically worth it. There's a lot of statistics out there. The, the average college graduate earns this much more than the average non-college graduate. Mm-hmm. But the question would become, are you going to be average? Right. Right. If you end, if you're going to be an above average electrician or a below average college graduate going into corporate America, you're probably better off being an electrician by far. You'll be happier. You'll be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there are many paths. And I think that's the challenge that the whole education industry hasn't really caught up to the idea. I mean, college hasn't changed much in the last century, probably. You know, it's still the old professor with the tenure that stands at the front and, you know, decides what he's going to teach you that day. And then you write it down and you give it back to them. You know, some colleges are moving, moving ahead with internships and public private partnerships and other interesting things. And if you've got young kids, you know, I think some of that stuff is going to blossom potentially by the time your kids are there. So that's one of the concerns I have around you know, planning for college is, well, will college exist when 18 years from now? And the answer is yes, it will, but it may not be the, you know, right now, 60 or 70% of high school kids head off to college. I think that might be a little too high. I think because the reality is only like 30 or 40% actually get the degree. Mm -hmm. So the 30% that are trying and failing probably should have maybe picked a different path um, to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the other thing that I think parents really need to understand is I'm sure you've heard stories of, well, it worked really well with this one, but then this one, we tried it, it didn't work at all. Another way to look at it, the top 10 or 20% of students out there, they're going to be fine no matter what they do. They've got the drive and the ambition and the skills and the intelligence to go do whatever they want to do and probably be successful at it. And if they're not, they'll be able to pivot and, you know, redirect and go where that, you know, where they need to. And there's the bottom 10 or 20 or 30% that, you know, unfortunately are just going to struggle no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. I think it's the middle 50% where picking the right path and not just assuming college could make a difference. For some, it might be a gap year or maybe a formal gap year, maybe an informal gap year. For some, it might be um, just in time learning. I'm going to go out and get a job in this industry. And if I like the industry and realize that, oh, there's some jobs I could do if I had some more education. Now I understand why I'm getting the education and I'm more willing to go do the hard work to get the education. You know, for a lot of people sitting in a classroom and saying, why am I learning this weird math? I'm never going to use this. You know, what's the point? (laughs) And, and then of course there's the other um, philosophical around is college career training or is college more than that, right? I mean, if you go to school and you study elementary ed, you're most likely going to be a teacher. Right. 
And if you want to be a teacher, most likely you have to go study elementary ed. The, the two are very hooked together. Mm-hmm. But if you go study philosophy, what are you going to be when you grow up? Right. Well, you might be a philosopher. You might be a comedian. You might be a, you know, you might be an MRI salesman or whatever it might be. Right. Or you flip that around as, well, what do I study to be an MRI salesman? or a small business owner, yeah, you know, or a baker, right? I want, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a baker and run a small business where I make birthday cakes. Yeah. What major do I need for that? Is it baking or is it business or is it? And I love this. I love this conversation because this is what we were kind of talking about when we were prepping for this is that I think you're leaning into is this kind of college experience, at least is the way I kind of view it is like, it's really hard to put your finger on this idea that something beyond the idea of I'm getting specific training for a field is valuable in some way. And there's so many different ways for that to play out. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they hear college experience and they, you know, we've talked about it before that that doesn't always mean drinking a 12 pack of warm, you know, light beer at a, at a frat party. Um, there's a lot of things that can play out and, but it's, it's gotta be difficult to, to evaluate from a financial perspective as, as, as well, but it's definitely there. Right, exactly. And I think there's a lot of parents out there where college was some of the best time of their life. Because mm-hmm. that, I mean, it was, it's a, you know, it's pivotal for a lot of people where you're just kind of growing up and the world is new and it's exciting. And a lot of people want to give that to their kids and they're mm-hmm. willing to pay for it. And that's one of the reasons college is so expensive is the colleges raised their prices and the kids still came. And they raised the prices some more and the kids still came and they raised some prices some more. Parents tighten their belt and figured out more ways to raise more money to figure out how to pay for college. And they still paid for it because they felt it was important. So they still came. So why not raise prices? I mean, that way they can, you know, and there's other politics involved as well, right? Where, you know, colleges have a lot of extra reporting and extra rules because they work in the federal systems and, you know, they got they have to have their own police force and they're responsible for students 24 seven, you know, most businesses, their customers are just their customers. They don't have to like babysit them 24 seven. And if they go off and do something stupid on some Saturday night, you know, most businesses aren't held responsible. Uh, Another we you were mentioning about, you know, kind of the change in college used to be the silver bullet. And and there's been a lot of changes around that. Um, And I know, COVID, um, the pandemic that we're coming out of has has kind of reached far and wide into a lot of the things that we, we've experienced from, you know, working from home and we're conducting this interview on Zoom right now, which I don't know if I would have been familiar with two years ago. Um, has How has that impacted um, the, the college experience, the college, you know, the way that, that parents and, and potential students are evaluating it? Um, where have you seen that impact? Yeah, so... Obviously, when colleges had to shut down and do everything virtual, they were not prepared. Most colleges. Now, there's a few colleges out there that were already playing in the virtual and they had a head start. But many colleges just didn't know what to do if they couldn't get 25 kids in a room with a professor. So they very quickly shifted to online. And the reality of it is, you know, you can't learn that way, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not it's not just record whatever the professor normally does and put it out there. And it, it, that doesn't work in general, but I mean, that's what they had. So that's what they did. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of kids during this time really did not enjoy their college experience and same can be said for the high school kids and the grade school kids. Right. I mean, anybody that had 
students at home, you know, for some, it was just like everything else, right? For some though, that was great because that played to their strength and they loved it. But for many, it, it wasn't their strength and it, it hurt them. And I think the same could be said around that. But, you know, some of the things that the colleges did do, like they created some great online tours and that kind of things to, so you don't necessarily have to go visit and be on campus to get the information anymore. You can go to their website and do some of their virtual tours and that kind of stuff. Now, it's not as good as being there, but you might do that before you fly out to Boston to check out a college. You might say, oh, let's watch the virtual tour. And if something in the virtual tour, your student says, nope, not interested. Well, guess what? You saved yourself a lot of time and effort and you move on to the next one. And just like all businesses, right, that were forced to try new things. Some of them worked out well and they're not going away. Some of them didn't work out well. And they're, as soon as the pandemic went away, so did those things. But, you know, like Zoom is here to stay now. Could a professor take some of their really basic points of the lecture and just put it out there and have you watch it before you go? And then when you show up, instead of him spending all his time giving the lecture, he spends all the time answering questions about the lecture. Right. You know, taking it to the next level. Some colleges are experimenting with that kind of stuff and some will do it better than others, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, a lot of colleges are trying to differentiate. There is a challenge where for the next 10 years or so, the a number of graduates is shrinking. So some college, you know, so the, you know, there's more seats than students coming up. Um, a lot of colleges are filling those seats with foreigners, which isn't, bad or good. It just is. Um, one of the big exports of the U.S. is education. Lots of mm -hmm. people come here to study. Again, there's just lots of change going on around the pandemic. Colleges got hurt financially. A lot of them weren't able to fill their, weren't able to recruit as many students as they normally would have. Pandemic made it worse. Now they're not financially sound, where, again, a lot of people talk about these colleges that have these huge endowments that's the select few at the top, you know, the big name brand Harvard's and Yale and University of Chicago type schools, the typical private school down the street that might be just a regional school. A lot of those are very, what we call tuition driven. In other words, they need to bring in, you know, $12 million in tuition this year in order to pay $12 million to their expenses. And if they don't get 12 million in tuition, they've got to cut somehow, because mm -hmm. that's the only, you know, they, they don't raise enough. They're going to either lay somebody off or close a building or do something to reduce expenses. You, you brought up your, um, your kids uh, earlier. I wonder just kind of what you're experiencing now and, and what you've experienced. You said, I think you have one freshman in college and then the other sprinkled throughout high school now. Right. Yeah. So my oldest is an academic, right? It is his thing. So he's off studying engineering and doing well. I know mean, he's the kind of kid that loved math classes and took the highest level math at a, and did well in it. And therefore is testing out of all kinds of stuff at college, et cetera, et cetera. My second son is not that academically challenged, you know, focused and he'll do well, but you know, he's okay with a minuses and B's here and there. And then my daughter, who's a freshman, you know, she's too young to care at this point. <laughs> and uh she's kind of watching what her big brothers are doing and but she definitely doesn't want to work as hard as her oldest brother did 
She saw that, you know, he did a lot of homework. I don't want to do that. That's, yeah. that's you know. <laughs> yeah. Again, so all the kids are different and uh, many families kind of automatically, especially if parents have education or higher education, you know, my wife has her PhD, she works in academia. So we talk about college all the time. It's just kind of a foregone conclusion and kids learn a lot and absorb a lot, whether they, re whether you realize it or not. Yeah. So families where maybe, it, you know, I, I work a lot with parents where they're first generation so they don't have the college experience so they can't coach as well and they can't you know they don't know you know they, they want college to happen potentially mm -hmm. they just don't know how how it works exactly and that type of thing so i think they're you know again just in you know putting the idea in in a four or five year old you know that education is important but i'd be careful at this stage about talking about you're going to go to college and then you're going to be done. It, it really needs to be, I think the reality is more of a lifelong learning, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think when you're working with younger kids, one of the things you need to think about is, well, college is coming and it could be expensive. So let's build a budget. You know, the people that can, that come to me with big piles of money, they, how did they do that? Well, they chose to not buy as many new cars and they chose to have a smaller house than what they could have had mm -hmm. so that they had some extra funds to stick away for college or and in some cases, not even necessarily for college. They just stuck it away. And now they're realizing that college is expensive and they've got resources that they can tap. What I see a lot of is uh, parents of a high school junior. Let's say they earn $100,000 and they say, you know, I based on our numbers and aid and that kind of stuff, we need an extra thousand a month and there's just no way. And then I, next person I talk to earns 75,000 and they say, well, gee, well, how can they not do it at a hundred thousand? Right. I mean, they have 25,000 a year more than us. They should be able to afford 2000 a month because mm -hmm. we can live on 75,000. No problem. Right. We can't afford college. And then I meet the first family that earns 250,000. And guess what? They can't afford college either. Now for them, college is going to be more expensive potentially because when you get to that income, you're not going to get much need-based aid. And now you're a little, little looser with, uh, yeah, if you want to go to that private school that costs 40 or 45 or 50, yeah, maybe we can figure it out. And you probably can. Um, but that means now you need 3000 a month to make it work. And yeah. when you're making 250, 3000 a month is possible but you didn't bake it in originally. So it hurts. And that's mm -hmm. what I think happens for a lot of families is they learn how to spend every penny they make. And then they hit this college wall and go, Oh my God. Yeah. Why didn't someone tell me I needed a thousand a month. Yeah. So, so you hear it, heard it here first. That was a thousand a month yeah. now. So if you've got a two-year-old, yeah. maybe it's 1500 or 2000 a month. If you don't well, start saving now. We'll need to have some kind of like a voiceover that comes over you that gives the inflation number like 10 years from now, you know, 15 years from now or something else. Right, um, exactly. Well, another uh, here, here's a, some positive news, though. The cost of college isn't going up as fast as it used to. They've kind of squeezed the orange about as much as they can. So a lot of colleges, you know, used to go up quickly. And what they've realized is they raise their prices. But in order to get attract students, they also raise the scholarship. Mm hmm. So the net cost didn't change that much, um, but the sticker price did. And because most people don't have any idea what the net price is going to be, they have no idea. They just see that the 70,000 went to 74,000 and then it went to 78,000 and then it went to 82,000. What they didn't see is, well, did a scholarship 
offset that or not? All right. Okay. Um, yeah. And the answer is in some schools it did and some schools it didn't, but the idea that college is going to continue at the five and seven and 10% numbers that we've seen in the past. I mean, they're just going to price themselves out of the market because they've kind of saturated what they can do there. I've seen, I've seen those terrifying inflation uh, charts where it's, you know, like food and shelter and used cars. And then it looks like there's this mountain that like is going over all of them. And it's the cost of, of education. Right. So that's, that's very good to hear from my end. Um, well, the, the last question I had for you is that, you know, people are, are wrapping up this interview and, and they, they're like, you know, this Brad guy, he's, he's onto something. I really need to get my stuff together. Um, what's the, what do they need to do? How do they get your info? And, and what's kind of the first step you think would be most helpful for people, maybe early stage, late stage kind of perspective on that? Right. Yeah. So if you're interested in late stage, you know, if you've got a high school kid or soon to be high school kid, you probably want just want to plug into the podcast. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you have some inkling on how to do it. That, you know, mm -hmm. that was a challenge five and 10 years ago with parents, you know, another COVID thing, right? His parents figured out some of this stuff. Yeah. Because they had to again. So you can listen to the podcast. I've got a lot of great free resources like the EFC calculator, which will help you figure out how much aid you'll qualify for. Scholarship guide for busy parents, which is four quick videos to kind of give you the lay of the land around scholarships um, so that you can decide what makes sense. You know, scholarships could be a huge project or it could be something that you do nothing at all about mm -hmm. depending on your situation. And that's what that guide is about is figuring out should it be a big project or not? And then if you are going to pursue scholarships, which ones? Because um, they're not all, all created equal. You've got loan information. So we have all kinds of great information. Then if you want to reach out to me directly, there's a contact us page work with Brad, Brad Page, you know, my fees. We're building some courses. So we'll have that kind of in between where you don't necessarily want to hire me entirely. You just want to get some of the information and some, you know, templates and spreadsheets and checklists and that kind of stuff. We're, we're, we've built that course. That's out there. Um, if you need help in some areas that, you know, I'm not the expert, I probably can point you in the right direction. If you need someone around, you know, some of the things I don't do around college, um, I built quite a referral network as far as ADHD and, you know, if you're, I'm shooting for getting into Harvard, can you help me with that? Me personally? No, but I know a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still <laughs> referring anybody for marriage counseling to you based on our early. <laughs> um, well, cool. Well, okay. Well, so that's uh, uh, Brad Baldridge. He, uh, like I said, is uh, the expert behind taming the high cost of college.com. Uh, Check him out. And uh, thanks for your time, Brad. Thanks for having me. The information provided to you today is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to be specific recommendations or advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before acting on any of this material. Investing involves risk. Depending on the types of investments, there may be varying degrees of risk. Investors should be prepared to bear loss, including total loss of principal. Investors should carefully consider investment objectives, risk, charges, and expenses. This information and other important information are contained in the fund prospectuses, summary prospectuses, and the 529 product program description. These documents can be obtained from a financial professional or directly from the plan's website. Please read them carefully before investing. Depending on your state of residence, there may be an in-state plan that offers tax and other benefits, which may include financial aid, scholarship funds, and protection from creditors. Before investing in any state's 529 plan, Investors should consult a tax professional. If withdrawals from 529 plans are used for purposes other than qualified education, 
The withdrawal could be subject to a 10% federal tax penalty, state penalties, federal income tax, and state income tax. Brad Baldridge is a registered representative with Cambridge Investment Research. Securities are offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Incorporated, a broker-dealer, and member of FINRA and SIPC. Brad Baldridge is also an investment advisor representative with Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Baldridge Wealth Management and Baldridge College Solutions are affiliated. Cambridge and the Baldridge Companies are not affiliated. The registered branch location is at 10521 West Layton Avenue, Suite 200, Greenfield, Wisconsin, 53228. All right, we are back with What's New Kiddo, and today I want to talk about empathy, that thing we've all been accused of having zero of from time to time. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in the case of my kids, I'm actually pleasantly surprised by the amount of empathy they've demonstrated in their young lives. Uh, Charlie and I recently began his second soccer season, and together we plan to continue putting the fear of God into any West Side four-year-old footballers who dare challenge our soccer supremacy. Yeah, damn right. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, yeah. Back sure. to empathy, our first soccer practice of the season occurred in a downpour, and afterwards Charlie and I grabbed a window seat at a local restaurant overlooking Detroit Avenue, Lakewood's Main Street. As we sat watching the rain, we observed... Which one was it? Um, we were at, uh, what, what's it called? Sauced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Nice place. Mm-hmm. Um, as we sat watching the rain, we observed an older gentleman with a noticeable limp who was struggling to walk down the sidewalk while getting pelted with rain. Charlie, to his credit, legit wanted us to go outside and carry this man to wherever his destination was. And, well, I was uh, taking a moment to weigh the pros and cons of this move, and Uber <laughs> pulled up and carried the man away. So we ultimately were not good Samaritans, but it's a thought that counts, and I was really impressed by Charlie's empathetic reaction. Now, as for Lucy, she's, of course, much younger uh, but last week, Char- when Charlie was under the weather, you could tell that she sensed that he wasn't himself. Um, he's usually very energetic, and he was downright lethargic. And she showed a genuine level of concern for his well-being, which I found pretty heartening coming from a 20-month-old. So kudos to both my kiddos. Hopefully you listen to this someday. Did she only bite him in the shoulder five times that day instead of ten? She, or? she, she only went after one shoulder, not both that <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. It's just, didn't want to be limping around on both sides. Yeah. Honestly, I think she may have rested her head on the shoulder instead. Oh, yeah. you know, that is. Pretty cute. Okay, well, now I Give do, hope, the rest. That, I do yeah. hope that she, like, she listens <laughs> to some point and has that nice moment. Um, what about you, Tim? Well, Mara's most notable emotional attribute is still laughing whenever my wife was crying during the struggles of early motherhood. So that's what kind of <laughs> psychopath I'm, or sociopath I'm raising. Uh, you. I wanted to briefly wrap up here by uh, some random acts of friendship. So the spring thaw combined with Mara's newfound mobility being a year and a half now has led to some interesting encounters for her and dad both. Um, more than just the boys on the playground that we talked about earlier. Uh, just today, we went to Lakewood Public Library, which is uh, a great public library that we have. And she saw a young boy probably about 50 feet away from her entering the children's section. Uh, she immediately waved at him. And once getting a reply wave back, one ping only, Priscilla. That's a <laughs> Red October quote. Uh, she ran over to him, picked out a book handed it to him to read to her. Oddly, the book was a children's version of The Princess Bride, which forced me to make some heteronormative dad joke about, oh, you're taking things too fast here. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I just love seeing random encounters like this and watching her gears turn as she gets to interact with more human beings. 
um, and kind of see how different people do different things and what their reactions are and, and what interactions are appropriate from her. It makes her extroverted dad very happy. <laughs> that was definitely a Sean Connery voice you were using, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it was indeed. I'm glad you, I'm glad you could tell. Well, that is, that is uh, really heartwarming, and I immediately regret all of my uh, joking about uh, Mara's um, criminal um, future. Well, you know, you can make it... Uh, you you can make social interactions in prison too. It's That's fine. this is you true. Know, yeah, 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 pen yeah. pals and the a lot likes. of cells like going back and yeah. forth. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> she can have both. It's yeah. true. All right. Um, it's my turn for book review, and today I want to endorse the popular Little Blue Truck series. Oh yeah, you've talked about this I think before. Yeah. Um, it's a handful of books about a blue pickup truck, um, his good friend Toad, and their various farm animal friends. Each book has exquisite illustrations and positive messages about friendship, including its well-known quote, a lot depends on the helping hands of a few good friends. I'm particularly fond of Little Blue Truck Leads the Way, which takes place in a city that reminds me of Cleveland and makes a city mayor out to be some type of god. Uh, To this day, Charlie holds anyone with the mayoral, mayoral role in incredibly high esteem thanks to this book. So go check out the Little Blue Truck series. Horn went beep, engine purred, friendliest sounds you ever heard. That's how every book starts out. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the end of this podcast. Uh, I think it was a, a pretty good one. Yeah. We, we burnt through our pockets pretty well with that uh, the money chit-chat, huh? Yeah. If anybody wants to send money to us, <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and find out. You can always just address uh, a letter to the Bod Pod, and that's all you need to put on it. And, uh, you know, just stuff Or just money. Venmo us. Yeah, Come just find Venmo us. us. You know, email us and Venmo us, and uh, we can do that. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks, thanks, Matt, for coming over and recording another podcast. Anytime, Tim. Let's do it again soon. That sounds good. Don't stroke the kids too bad. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe, and please leave a review of our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as Better Off Dad Pod. The Better Off Dad Pod would like to thank our kids and spouses who are responsible for this show, whether they like it or not. Our theme music was written and produced by David Paulette and is an adaptation of the song Alien by Zero to Infinity. Give them a listen on Spotify. Special thanks to Sam Painter and thanks to you, loyal listener of the Bod Pod. Until next time, remember, our kids are our future. Let's try not to screw them up too much. <laughs>